strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you spending the time. If you haven't subscribed to the Mike Broomhead Show podcast yet, I'd like to invite you to do that. It's simple to do. Never miss a minute of the show. Again, listen at your convenience. This week, it's brought to you by my friend Carol Royce, Keller Williams Realty, East Valley. Get higher price selling your home. Get guaranteed offers. Go to higherprice.com. That's higherprice.com. Governor Ducey has endorsed an election day plan. It's one that I've talked about on the show for quite a while. We all want to expedite the results of elections. We want to get the, we want to know who won faster. So the system we have in place, and I don't think we're ever getting rid of it, is we, we have a lot of people that vote by mail. And until 2020, the vast, I shouldn't say vast, the majority of people that voted by mail were Republican voters. That changed in 2020. It's changed in 2022. We saw a huge turnout of Republican voters on Election Day. Now, many people showed up on Election Day with early ballots. So the way it works is as you send in when early voting begins, they send the ballots out. You send them back. You get a notification. We've received your ballot. Once you get a notification that says we received your ballot, they, you will then get another notification that says your ballot has been counted. What they have to do is when you mail in your ballot, they have to verify the signature on the outside of the envelope with the signature they have you on file that's curing the ballot and then once they do that or if they don't then they go through a a bigger process of trying to reach the voter once they've done that and they separate the ballot from the envelope they then make sure that the ballot is readable that there isn't coffee spilled on it or something hasn't happened to that ballot that renders it impossible to put through the machine those are the couple of things that happen but those ballots are counted before election day so on election night when the polls close at seven o'clock an hour later at eight o'clock the first ballot drop are early ballots that have been mailed in before the deadline. After that are ballots that have been cured that came closer to the weekend before the election on the Saturday, on the Friday and the Saturday. But then election day early ballots, when you drop those off, this is the part that this would simplify voting. Um, the, the election day ballots that are dropped off, the early ballots, so you're in the envelope, you've signed the envelope, your ballot's inside. What you've been doing is dropping them into a ballot box. They are then cured. They verify signatures. They do all of that. Then, later on, I should say, then it's counted, which is what part of the reason why it takes much longer to uh, get to the results of the election. So the new plan would be you set up a line. At a, at a voting center on election day, you set up a line for people that are bringing in their early ballots. So what is what it would do is simplify the process where you would verify who you are when you showed up at the polling place. The same way that on election day, I always vote at the polls. So when you go to the polls, you show them an ID card, you show them your voter ID card, you verify who you are in the computer. They verify that you are that voter and then they print your ballot. You then uh, vote and send your ballot through the machine. This would do that except everything except filling out the ballot there. You would show up with your early ballot. You would verify who you are, the signature on the envelope, the voter. They would make sure that you are that person. And then you would just scan your ballot into the tabulation machine right then so that it would be counted on election day. That would expedite things quite a bit. Now, there are people out there that don't like the tabulation machines. This is not going to solve that problem for you. But for the people that want expedited results, for those of you out there that are concerned with the signature verification process that you don't think that we verify signatures the right way or we don't do a good enough job of making sure we heard about scribbles and all the other things that happened with the election going back in 2020 in the audit. 
This would solve that problem. You would have all of the time you need. Now, this isn't going to eliminate mail-in voting. These are for the election day drop-offs. When you go there, it would be it would be your you would make sure you were verified. So they would match your signature. They would verify just like if you were coming in to vote in person. And then you'd scan your ballot and it would be counted. I think it's a great plan. We'll see if it works. I think it would be a great way to go with all the questions we have about elections. Um, Last week, uh, KTAR News posted a video of of me on the show talking about moving forward from election denial. And, you know, I take heat from my side. It's so funny to see what people have to say about throwing me out of the Republican Party. I'm a Republican voter that has vocally been saying we have got to move on to the next election cycle. We were warned that if we focused on 2020, we would lose in 2022. You're never going to you're never going to stop or change people's minds that believe the election was stolen. But there is no way, there is no mechanism to change the results of 2020 or of 2022. If you want different legislation when it comes to votes and how votes are counted and all that, you've got to get that legislation passed. Work moving forward. It's the only thing I'm saying. I've never gone after election deniers. I've never criticized them in the sense of saying that they're bad people or, or, or crazy or conspiracy theorists. What I said is you ask your questions, bring it to court with whatever evidence you have, and that's the way it gets handled. But if you don't win, you have to move on. There's a mechanism in the NFL and and others as well, but in the NFL, there's a mechanism to challenge a call on the field. A coach gets challenges, so many challenges per game. They lose the challenge if they lose. They lose one of their challenges if their challenge turns out to be wrong. And there are times when the call is overturned. There are calls sometimes where the call is um, is uh, is overturned. Sometimes it's just said that it stands as called because they couldn't prove it in one way or the other. And so it stays the way it is. And then you have to move on. If you have a team, if you have a coach that sticks with what they keep going back to whatever it is that happened, you're going to end up losing the game. That's my issue. I am I am a, a proud to be a Republican voter. And I just think that what we need to be doing is focusing on the candidates that we run, the platforms that they run on, and go win elections. Talk to voters about what's most important to them. Win voters over. Not tell people you don't want them you don't want their vote to go away. Because they will. And so I, I think this would go a long way. This system right here would go a long way in expediting the results, which everybody wants. But the other thing that it would do, I think, it would help people understand more quickly how the verification process happens. If you're an early voter and you carry that envelope in with your ballot, you watch how it gets verified. You know that your vote was counted properly. Unless, of course, you don't believe in the tabulation machines. And then that's a whole different set of issues for people. So I, I just I, I thought it was an interesting to have the, to hear the governor come out and talk about this. We got more experts talking about a recession. We're going to do that in a couple of moments. And then after that, at the bottom of the hour, we've got triple seven expedition team. They are former Navy SEALs that are going to jump in with us that are literally they're going to be jumping all across the world. And we're going to talk with them about why they're doing it and who it supports. All that's coming up here in just a few moments.
values, and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Do you know a Remarkable Valley teacher deserving of $2,500? If you do, just text the word teacher to 411923 to nominate a teacher in our Pay Tribute to a Teacher program that's going on right now. That's teacher to 411923. Pay Tribute to a Teacher presented by your Valley Toyota dealers. Um, a couple of things about the economy. Warnings now. Wall Street chorus grows louder warning that 2023 will be ugly as we're looking about the downward trend of things in the economy. Again, I hope it doesn't happen. The jobs report seems to still be strong. We have got uh, the economy around the world is slowing down. We understand there's a possibility of a worldwide recession. But what will it look like here in the U.S.? We've talked about policy, and I've done this so many times, but I think it's worth repeating again and again and again because it is the policies of the United States, uh, of our government, that can help. If you look at the policies of the state here in Arizona, we just had the dedication. President was in town for it. We just had the the dedication or a visit by the president with the chip plant. That is going up in the North Valley. There was originally a 12 billion, yes, 12 billion with a B uh, investment, 12 billion dollar investment by this Taiwan semiconductor in this plant that is increased now to 40 billion with the relationship that's built with the state of Arizona and the CHIPS Act, all of this working together to be pro-business. And when you do things like that, your economy grows. You see businesses leave. If you just do the compare and contrast, as I've talked before, if you look at the state of New York and what New York has done, they continue to punish the rich, punish the rich, punish the rich. It is punitive in what they do. California is planning on doing the same thing to refining fuel. California is saying because of the obscene profits being made right now by the oil companies that these oil companies – need to be taxed by California. And how, again, I want you to ask yourself, if you're someone, and I get messages from people all the time that are, well, look at these obscene profits. What, you know, okay, they're making a lot of money. Now, explain to me how taxing the oil companies is going to lower the price at the pump for you. The answer is it will not. And everybody knows it's just a punitive and the government's getting the money. They say, well, they're going to give that money back to the people. No, they're not. And if they do, they're going to take their cut of it. That's how that works. Less government has proven to be better for the economy. Reducing regulation has been proven to be better than the economy. Government involvement is not the answer to a lot of the problems. Uh, you know, Reagan is the one who said in this current crisis, government is not the solution to our problems. Government is the problem. You know, with the other, when he talked about the high inflation, when he came into office because of the four years of Jimmy Carter. And the economic plans and the economic policies of that administration. He said then, he said, we don't have high inflation in America because Americans are living too well. We have high inflation in America because the government is living too well. The United States government continues to set records for revenue. Isn't it fascinating that nobody wants to pay attention to how much money the Treasury is taking in? But you know what's interesting about it? The state of Arizona is doing exactly the same thing, but they've done it in the other direction. They have lowered taxes on every taxpayer in Arizona, yes, including the rich. They have flattened the tax base. They have made it simplified. And we are seeing huge, enormous growth. The other thing that's happened here with our economy that I think is worth mentioning is the new website for entrepreneurs, for business startups. How many of you out there want to start a business, you have a great idea, and you find out how much money you have to spend with attorneys in order for you to be able to have 
the business you want because they understand getting an LLC or whatever uh, corporation you want. All of the forms you've got to fill out, all of the, I, the I's you got to dot, the T's you got to cross. Well, there is now a website here in Arizona that makes it simple. It is a checklist of all of the things you have to do to legally start a business in Arizona. And it simplifies that process for entrepreneurs. Why? So that when working people want to go to work, you can do what you do best. They've simplified things with business licensing. It's one of the things I've talked about recently more often because this directly affects working people. If you have a certificate or a license in good standing in another state and you move to Arizona, bring that with you. If it's been in good standing for one year. You can come to Arizona, you can hang out your shingle, you can go to work while you go through the process of getting a legitimate business in Arizona. But that license in another state is going to be honored here, just like a driver's license. When you come to Arizona from another state, you have a certain amount of time before you have to have an Arizona driver's license. But you're still allowed to drive. We are still honoring that. And so when you look at how these things work, when you see all of these things working together and you see economies across the country that are booming and growing like Arizona's and you see things that are happening, look at the deficits they have in California. Look at the number of millionaires that have left New York and 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 settled in Florida where there's no state income tax. You would do the same thing. This is where we all we you do do the same thing. If you're going to make a major purchase, if you're going to buy a vehicle. And you find out that the tax on the vehicle, the the sales tax in a city is higher and you can get the exact same vehicle and pay less for it and less in taxes in another city. How loyal are you going to be to a dealership or are you going to go somewhere where you're going to pay thousands of dollars less because the tax burden is lower? People do this stuff all the time. Individuals do this all the time. It just makes sense. Coming up in a moment, Triple Seven Expedition Team. So this is going to be such a great conversation. These are veterans, Navy SEALs, Marine Corps veterans that are going to be in here with us. They are doing seven jumps on seven continents, all for a great cause. We're going to learn out more about what they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all coming up in just a few moments. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for spending some time with the show. Very excited about this. Triple Seven Expedition team is in studio with us. Uh, Fred Williams is here with us, correct? Thanks yes. for being here, Fred. Thanks, um, Alex is here. Alex Koontz is with us as well. Logan Stark, who's the hero of the room because he's with Black Rifle Coffee, <laughs> and we all know Black Rifle Coffee. And, of course, Dan Myrick is here. He is the filmmaker for this project. Yes, I am. And you made the Blair Witch Project. Yes, I did with my partner, Ed Sanchez, uh, directing partner. Yeah. And uh, this has got to be scarier. Oh, yeah. Far. Far more <laughs> scarier. Yeah, jumping out of planes and going you know, to seven continents in seven days. Now, are you going to jump? I've done a tandem jump. I might do another one here or there. But uh, no, these guys are doing the jump. OK. All right. And let's <laughs> let's talk about the program. Fred, why are you doing this? Why did you all decide to do this? Um, so we're doing this to raise money for Folds of Honor. You know, they take care of the families of the fallen service members and first responders. We're trying to stay with the theme. Seven jumps, seven continents, seven days, 
and seven million dollars for Folds of Honor. And how is the fundraising going? It's going okay. And you know, if if we really break it down, Mike, if we just think about a million people giving seven dollars, we'll reach our goal. And how is when you tell people? I think most people are giving. Most people want to find a place to give, especially when they find an organization that's supporting the fallen, you know, fallen troops and first responders. But they want to make sure their money's going to an organization that does the right thing with those funds. So right now, if you go to triple seven dot givesmart.com everything is directed right to Folds of Honor. How did you guys, how did Alex, how did you and Logan, how did you guys get involved? Yeah, one of the other uh, jumpers that's going on the expedition, Andy Stump, is within the Black Rifle Coffee family, and a group of us from Black Rifle went through Accelerated Freefall uh, earlier. And so uh, this was a good way to continue our expedition into jumping and, and do something incredibly kind of crazy for the most uh, important cause that really exists exists in my opinion how was it received alex when you, when you tell people what you guys are doing how do people receive i mean how are people receiving all you know, of this it's, it's well received i mean of course a lot of us being veterans we've lost a lot of um friends in combat but i would argue that we've lost a lot more outside of conflict and so for me i'm very passionate about things like this because you know we're we're in a room of individuals that are are successful in transition and now i feel it's like an obligation responsibility of ours to help others be successful as well. It's one of the things I learned very early on after my brother was killed in 03. I began to speak out about his story and meet so many veterans and um, meeting the men he served with in his platoon. They they lost two brothers that night. I lost one. They lost two. And truly, it wasn't even a statement of it. I wasn't a, a trite statement. It was the truth. They felt as close to my brother as I was to my brother. So I, I, I feel for your losses as well. Let's talk about the film. Um, what's this going to be like? What, 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 what can we expect from this? Well, my goal with this, because I come from more of a narrative background, and I think one of the things that uh, Mike Sorelli, who brought us on, and my producer, Christian Kremple, um, want to do is talk about those stories that you're referring to that you know Hollywood has a tendency to sort of stereotype these guys and they're sort of like Rambo-esque door kickers and that's not what this is I mean I got to know the SF community years ago when I did a movie in Morocco and they're some of my best friends and I, I want to bring out of this not only is it for a great cause but the guys behind it are real people successful guys but they're cut ups and they have you know they bond and and they're they could be your next door neighbor and and they're they're real people with real stories and i really want to bring that bring that out in the film so we're going to get to learn about all of you guys yeah is it is it strange for you to have that happen i mean you spend so much of your life maybe not telling people what you do now you're going to spend a lot of time showing people exactly what you're doing yeah that is a little bit of change from us when we make the transition leaving the military is to be a little bit more open and coming with with what we do in our day-to-day lives so how do you how are you able to impact you were just talking about Alex you were just talking about um, impacting the lives of those that didn't transition as readily or as easily as you did uh, how are you able to do that is there an instant bond when people find out that you're all veterans together or does it take some time to break down the walls sometimes there's, there's a I think there's a trust aspect that comes along with um, the veteran community um, and you know, you, you also build that credibility because then others see that you're actually successfully doing something and they want to be part of that. So I think it's the trust and the credibility. And then, um, you know, 
everybody, all the veterans, they have a willingness to want to succeed, but sometimes they just don't know how. And I think to some extent we're giving them a path. And you guys were the best of the best. I mean, Navy SEALs and you were a Marine Corps sniper. And so you guys, it's not as, and not to denigrate anybody else, but you have gone to the elite levels of the services. Does that also help break down barriers with other veterans when you talk with them? Yep. So could tell me a little bit more from your perspective as a Marine with these guys that are the SEALs. Uh, is there still some rivalry between branches of service? Uh, well, technically, the Marine Corps is under the Navy, so it's, it, it is a rivalry, but we're also on the same team, you know, um, and especially for me uh, coming into this group, uh, I'm jumping with guys like Fred. These guys have the most amount of experience that you can get within the skydiving world. So for me, who's uh, the newer jumper within the group, to be able to be around these guys and to pick up the habits and the tendencies and that the knowledge base that they have over years and years of jumping is just so incredibly for me. And then to have this amazing message attached to you are talking about you know, the importance of it earlier. We all picked uh, one of the fallen to talk about and, and bring to light their mission and what their lives were like throughout their service and mine specifically is Matt Abate who was killed in Afghanistan and he was awarded the Navy Cross posthumously and he has a young son uh, who is a teenager now and for us to be able to give uh, scholarship funds for when these guys uh, come of age and need assistance when it comes to that you can see how this thing becomes multi-generational and we're impacting not just people right now but decades from now to hopefully make America a better place and for those children, for all three of you, for the children of the fallen, whether they're first responders or, or, or uh, veterans of the military, it's got to be it's got to be good for them to know that there's still family behind the scenes that care about them as much and are looking out for them. Right. For the kids. Absolutely. Absolutely. There you know, there's there's a as Alex hit on, there's a large level of trust. And for us, when we know we're dealing with, you know, like this group of veterans all come, you know, as soft warriors in, when they were in the service. And there, there's just an incredible bond that we have with one another when we get in the same room and we start work, working on the same project together. You know, we're with like-minded people that like to head in the same direction and like to work together. Yeah. What is it like meeting those families? I, I, I never, we never imagined we would be one of those families, and it was it was strange for us to be in that role. But for you to go and meet the families of of brothers or sisters in arms that have fallen, what's that like? What's that experience like? Well. It's tough you know you you try to put yourself in their shoes and fortunately i have not lost a sibling or or mother and father yet but uh no you just you try to understand what they're going through and and focus on how i can help right they are dealing with tragedy and what can i do to help and support them get through that so if people want to donate if people want to learn more about what y'all are doing where do they go Yep, triple seven, the word triple, number seven, dot givesmart.com is where they can donate. And then to follow along with uh, the expedition and everything we're doing, legacyexpeditions.net. And when will we be able to, when do, when do you anticipate the film's going to be done when people are, and where will people be able to see it? Well, we're hoping to have uh, the finished cut by probably midsummer because, we, you know, we've got a lot of shooting to do. We want to get into deep into these stories and really drill, drill, really drill down even beyond the expedition itself. So probably 
kind of mid next summer, but we're also uh, launching a premiere in, in Tampa for Everest Expedition, which is sort of a precursor to this one. And so that one's done, and it's going to be distributed here shortly. So people will be able to follow along, and our ultimate goal is to be doing one of these expeditions maybe every year for 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 this cause. So before we let you guys go, where will the seven jumps happen? Where where are they going to happen? So we're going to start out in Antarctica. And then we're going to go to Chile, Santiago, Chile. From there, we're going to Barcelona, Spring, uh, Spain. And then we have Cairo, Egypt, Abu Dhabi, UAE. And then the final record-breaking jump will be in, done in Perth, Australia. Wow. So you are – and it's going to be done very quickly. Uh, as fast as we can with weather-dependent, and we're traveling via commercial air. So it's going to be a real challenge when it comes to that. Well, I can't thank you guys enough for coming down. It's an honor to meet all of you, and I hope you meet your goals, your fundraising goals, and I hope this audience helps you get to that goal as well. Thanks for supporting us. Thank, you, very much. thank you. you. All right. We'll be back here in just a moment. We're going to talk about Arizona lawmakers. and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. That was pretty cool. Big thank you to the people there at 777 Expedition, the team that was here. They're going to be jumping seven jumps, seven continents to raise $7 million for Folds of Honor. It's a great cause. Uh, so hopefully you jump on board and, and donate if you're able to. Um, want to talk a little bit about the expansion of the voucher program here in Arizona, the ESA expansion here in Arizona. Um, we know that the voucher program has expanded, but now some of the people that back that also want to raise the amount of money that's put out. The demand is one of many surfacing as a bipartisan group of lawmakers pressures uh, Governor Ducey to deliver on a promise for a special session. And here's the thing here with the expenditure and what you're allowed to spend and what you're not. This is where this is all going to come into play. We understand with more money being invested in education, it is, it is in violation of a law. That was passed was a, a was actually um, passed in the eighties in the early nineteen eighties by voter proposition, which means that it changes the constitution in this way. You cannot lessen it without th- a two thirds majority of the House and the Senate. Now it did happen last year where they temporarily get a temporary override of this with two thirds majority, so that they can spend money that was already allocated for education. We I've talked about this quite a bit. Are they going to go into a special session? We'll find out whether the governor calls that or not. But then will they have the votes, two-thirds majority in the House and the Senate to get it done? That's where the question lies because there are a lot of people that don't want to, don't want to pass this or they're not going to pass it or vote for that two-thirds majority unless they get a lot of things that they want. But I go back to the whys on these a lot. Why did this happen? Why did why are people looking for other options in public schools? And this is not a new thing, but it has certainly become um, – more notable. I mean, more people know about it now after people seeing what's happening with online learning and what their children are being taught in school, the curriculum that's being used, some of the way the teachers are behaving. So you've got to be able to give some credibility to the to the, the move by parents. There weren't all of a sudden these tinfoil hat wearing parents that came out of the woodwork that just started screaming about education. There's a lot that's gone on. I've got story after story I've talked about. I've got a couple of them in front of me where parents are genuinely concerned about the what's going on in public public schools. And this is not I, I always give the disclaimer because I don't ever want to make it sound as if I believe it's all teachers or even most teachers. I don't. But the activists that are there need to be dealt with. And I think the way you deal with them is when the parents say we are going to take our tax dollars and go somewhere else. I'm just going to read a couple of headlines very quickly. Um, 
Loudoun County Superintendent Scott Ziegler fired after grand jury report on handling of sexual assaults. They tried to tamp down. It's a long story about a transgender student that committed a rape, and they tried to cover it up. And because it was so mishandled, the superintendent was fired. School board holds closed-door presentation on how, how to hide kids' gender transitions from their parents. Another teacher saying it's enjoyable to confuse kids about gender. So here's what this teacher said. I'm going to read a tweet. This is from a teacher. I'm not allowed to tell kids I'm trans or non-binary or that I'm not a girl. I showed up today with a new haircut and presenting much more mask or masculinity, I'm guessing, than usual. The kids are all confused and asking why I have a mustache if I'm a girl. If I'm Mr. Banghart now, why am I trying to look like a boy, etc.? I'm just ignoring questions, redirecting it so I don't get in trouble. Though some of the reactions are hurtful. I'm not mad they're kids and they don't mean harm. I'm mostly just enjoying all the confusion about what I am, wondering what they're going to do when I have a mustache and a skirt later on this week, LOL. So I would say that that falls outside of what should be in a classroom, not because a teacher is trans, but because this teacher is actually trying to confuse kids. It is one of those things that's unnecessary. You know, you can say to someone not here and not be biased against anything they want to do. Not here. It's not appropriate here. And this is where the politicization, this is where you bring your politics and your political opinions in, and you're trying to drive something home that that doesn't belong in your classroom. The uh, Phoenix Union wants to, uh, is talking now, getting feedback from the community about whether or not that they uh, whether or not they will have police back on campuses because of an increase in violence. That's something we should talk a lot more about because I think school resource officers are an answer to a lot of the problems in schools. The idea that you're removing uh, police officers from schools because there are some kids that don't feel safe around cops is an absurd political statement. And I hope that it gets reversed because we do need more school security. And I think police officers are an asset in a school setting can actually help build more of a rapport with students. And I think most people People agree with that principle. What we're going to do just after 10 o'clock is we're going to shift back to the economy. TSMC, the the uh, chip conductor or chip manufacturer here that's investing $40 million, billion dollars in the state of Arizona. So we're going to talk about that and what that investment means to the state of Arizona. We're going to do it in a few moments.